allies and anybody that wants to learn more about the LGBT plus community. My name is Zanardi and I'm so glad all your beautiful faces are here. Hello fam, welcome back to another episode of the Alphabet Mafia podcast. Today's episode, we are talking about sex. <gasps> what? Gross. Yeah, we're talking about the dirty, nasty sex, the birds and the bees, the things that you don't get in school or that you might get, but it's uh, it's pretty straight washed, right? You definitely don't get it from your parents, unless you have those nice, liberal, hippie parents, you know, that recycle a little bit more than usual, maybe grow out their hair, maybe they have a little leg hair. Is that, what your parents, is that who your parents are? I'm kind of jealous. Living on a plot of land. Okay, no. So anyway, today's episode is about sex, a lot of sex. So I just want to give this warning. If you're really young, if maybe this is inappropriate for you, then you know maybe don't listen to this episode. But we talk about sex education. We talk about polygamous relationships. We talk about the importance and safety of of communication during sex. That's actually actually a huge part of this episode is communication. There's things that literally I learned as a sexually active 25-year-old gay adult. I don't have a safe word. We talked a lot about having safe words and the importance of that. We talked about consent. We talked about using protection. We kind of just have fun with this. It's, it's kind of a fun episode. If you are into that kind of stuff, kick back, relax, enjoy this sex talk. Very important, though, especially for younger listeners and people who aren't if you are looking to start exploring your sexual realm, this is a must, must, must listen episode, okay? I'm just putting it out there, all right? So, our guest today is a good friend of mine, a TikTok creator, a oceanographer. I'm so sorry, Mackenzie. I do terrible with this, like, form, formal science-y stuff, but she studied marine biology. That's what you need to know. And she's pansexual, so she knows all the parts. That's why she's perfect for this episode. Cock, you want to talk about it? Yeah, we can talk about cock. Ooh, pussy. Let's talk about pussy. She she does it all, right? Okay. Gays, gals, non-binary pals, give it up for our friend, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking to you. It is so fun in the queer collective meetings when we just take it from like business type meeting to R-rated explicit sex sharing <laughs> stories. <laughs> uh, that's my specialty. Yeah, right. Just somehow somehow we're just talking about, oh, what's the next podcast episode? Oh, non-binary people. Oh, wait, what? We're talking about fisting and getting DP'd? What? every time I like I love that um like some of the members have been like we need a, we need like a calendar of how many meetings we've gone without talking about orgies zero the answer is zero we've gone zero meetings without talking about orgies <laughs> it's like those workplace like days without an accident in the workplace absolutely nope, absolutely absolutely that's us but sex talk literally so uh this is a sex-oriented episode, you know, a lot of, a lot, I haven't really done a topic just on that. I think sex education is very important. I think talking about sex and being open about sex and not having it be something shameful is very important. So I'm excited to talk to you kind of today just in general about sex and sex education and things that, you know, people hear and they get kind of like, you know, we're not supposed to do that. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, and I, I'm yeah. glad that we're having this podcast because I think that it's the first step of what we need to be doing, right? Is just talking about sex more and normalizing sex conversations because so much of it is really, really normal and really natural. Or natural is not a good defense for things, but like you know, it's just it's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's very it's very normal, and that's and that's okay. And and because we don't talk about it, we've made it feel like it's not normal. We made it feel like it's cringy to talk about and weird, but really like most of us have these feelings and I think the amount of people that have fetishes that they don't realize or that don't act upon and therefore like like you know keep inside and bottle up and then it becomes an issue is isn't is a a big issue we need to be having so we need to have these conversations and make sure that we're talking about sex more often and making it normal so it's it's not such a closeted experience yeah totally 100 percent and unfortunately for for queer people like us, you know, we don't get that type of talk in school or from our parents even. I mean, unless our parents are, are gay themselves, you know, we get the straight version of the birds and the bees. <laughs> and we're like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, all right, let's take a step back. Why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and then also I think because it's important for this topic going forward, your sexual orientation. Okay. Uh, so I'm Mackenzie, or I, Mackenzie is my name. I go by Mackenzie online, um, ending SEA like the ocean because I am a marine naturalist and a uh, marine researcher. That's my main main profession. But I also do a lot of LGBTQ advocacy, which encompasses uh, sex education and having these conversations about a a, a better uh, sex education in the future that encompasses not just heteronormativity, um, but, you know, everything that's, that's bodies having sex with bodies, you know, not necessarily gendered bodies. Like we don't need to put genders onto them. They don't need to be an explicit number as they need to be one and one. It can be, you know, three, four or five and just bodies and how we have safe sex with bodies and how, you know, we do these sorts of things. And that's how we're trying to progress in, in a better future for sexual uh, education is to, is to have that talk and to have things be a little bit more gender neutral so that nobody's uh, feeling left out. Like, you know, again, it's very heteronormative and, you know, there's no talk about gender dysphoria or things like that, that are really important. So the people that have those, uh, you know, uh, symptoms i don't know i don't know if that's the correct word those those feelings those thoughts the that you know have gender dysphoria don't have any of their issues addressed so they're being completely so they're being completely skipped in 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 school right and mm-hmm. they don't know how to safely practice they don't know how to have how to practice safe sex they have a disconnect with their bodies for one right so they're not even sure how to have that conversation and they're not sure how to progress with it forward safely so you you know you do end up with a lot of people that uh have gender dysphoria ending up in a in dangerous sex work like you see you see a high amount of male to female transgender individuals in sex work because they for you know have lacked that education they don't know how to go things about go about things safely they've been kicked out of their homes no one's taught their families that education so they're they're hugely affected by this complete lack of conversations that we're having and in order for that to stop we need to have these conversations in a way that's like this is your body this is another body you know there's 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 penises and there's vaginas sometimes there's things that look like they're in the middle sometimes people kind of have both sometimes there's there's all sorts of different things going on down there 
And so we need to have these conversations that are much more real, right? In school, you're, you're constantly taught yeah. like, this is what a penis looks like. There are two balls and a shaft. This is what a vagina looks like. Don't, there's no clitoris. We don't talk about that. There's no magic button. There's just a in, 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 inside and a place to pee out of. Like that, you know, like that's kind of the conversation that you have. And so these people that are intersex, that, that, that have different anatomies, like actual different anatomies, uh, don't feel included. They don't understand what's happening with their bodies. They feel very lost. Then there's people that, you know, like me, like I had uh, sex with a woman before I knew what a dental dam was. That's wild. That's a wild thought. That's, that's the equivalent of having sex with a man before I knew what a condom was. That's, that's, that's not okay. What's a dental dam? Oh, sweetheart. A dental dam is like similar. It's, a, it's similar to a condom. It's a uh, basically like a piece of typically latex, but, you know, same kind of material as a condom. You can get them non-latex. You can get them lambskin um, that you place over a vagina or a vulva, I should say, place over the vulva and you can uh, then give oral sex. Uh, oh, okay. It's a safe way to have oral sex. Uh, especially if you're, you know, doing hookups, uh, you know, yeah. one night stands, which is, I, I fully support it. Go for it, girl, you know, get that pussy eaten. But dental dams are important if you are, if it's a person that you are not for one uh, in a committed relationship with somebody that you are not committed relationship. I shouldn't say that somebody that you are not frequently seeing that you don't, that you like the two of you have gotten tested together and are, only doing doing diddling each other's parts you're only monogamous right? I, I guess yes monogamous but also if you're in a monog you're in a polyamorous relationship like my relationship is polyamorous um and you have another person um you know having that other person bring in their their uh sex results and them being uh you know negative for stis is is good enough right like okay they got a yeah. test Two days ago, they're negative for STIs. They haven't haven't diddled with anybody else since they're gonna be diddling with me. That's then that's okay. So we're mm -hmm. still polyamorous, but we're still staying safe, right? Like that's right. So there's there's ways to go about it, but it's 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 important that if you're not if it's not something that is consistent that you are using protection, and that goes for anything, right? It for mouths. Mm -hmm phallic objects if it's not your toy put a condom on it if it's not your penis you know if it's not a penis that's only put being put in you put a condom on it like there's there's so many things that we're we're skipping that we we don't even think to put condoms on toys nowadays but really if it's not yours it should have a condom on it if and so again i didn't know what a dental dam was before i was having sex with women and and that's probably not okay <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I, I I don't have sex with women I didn't know what a dental dam was but I feel like that's something I should have known right <laughs> like just I, in I mean, general like if I know what a condom is like you know what a condom is like we should know what dental dams are too <laughs> absolutely and there's ways to make dental dams right like they do sell dental dams like they come in like a little pouch uh uh and you can you can get a dental dam it's very similar to a condom but they it it comes in like a sealed pouch rather than like a ripped pouch. Um, typically, mm -hmm. that's how I've typically seen them. Um, sometimes they come in ripped ones, but you can also make them like, you know, some saran wrap can easily be a dental dam. Things, you know, things like that. Uh, but if you don't have access to a dental dam, then, you know, we should talk about like sensory play and how you can still, you know, play with each other, but not, not necessarily be putting 
putting risk into things. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of things that I, I didn't get to know about um, at a young age and that I think that we all should. And I, I grew up in a fairly progressive place, right? Like I, I didn't grow up in, in, in Texas or, or the South, you know, I grew up in Hawaii, which is one of the top progressive states in the States, you know, uh, it's not perfect. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, it sells a lot to learn, but it is fairly progressive, but I still didn't get the same, the proper education that I needed. Um, what, and I, what was the extent? Oh, go ahead. No, I, I, I forgot to answer your question and to say that I am Paul or I am a polyamorous pansexual woman. So I, I, I diddle with all the parts. <laughs> okay. All the parts. We love that. <laughs> Try them all out. Uh, and so what is the extent of your sexual education in school? Like what so, did you learn? So I went to a public or public middle school that um, basically kind of taught us like you put it, you know, use a condom, um, you know, birth control is a thing. We had to do the egg experiment. I don't know if anybody else had to do that, you know, where you like get an egg and you have to like take care of it so that you understand the importance of mm. taking care of a baby and how difficult that can be. Right. Um, uh, and then we had the flower. So we had the egg, like the se our seventh grade, then eighth grade, you got the flower sack, you know, to carry around a flower sack for, for a week or something so that you understood how much carrying around a baby was. And, and, and so I, those things are important. I think that they do instill a knowledge of like, of how much responsibility it is to have a child. And, um, you know, they, they gave the talk of, of abortions and things like that. So it's, they, they never pushed like a pro-life narrative, which I know a lot of schools get, they get like a, a pro-life narrative pushed on them. So I never got that pushed on me. It was, it, it you could even say it was pro-choice being pushed on me because it was, you know, it was like, here are the options. You know, some people believe this, some people believe this, this is what there is, and you can make your own choice. And so, of course, I was like, well, pro-choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I got that. But I didn't get anything that was beyond that heteronormative, right? Having a baby, a penis and a vagina, like all of that is so heteronormative. Like, you, you're, if you have sex, you will get pregnant and die. Like, it's very <laughs> right? Like, it's very, it's very... Like if you have sex, there's a chance to get pregnant, but that's not true. Because I, if I have sex with a woman, there's 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 no chance that I'm gonna get pregnant. And then you're not teaching me about that. Um, so I I didn't have the knowledge of ha of having sex with women. I went into high school, and my high school didn't have any sex education. Um, I think that my school almost I went to a, a private high school, a private all girls high school, and I think they almost just like expected you to know. They were like, yeah, they'll. Mm they'll figure it out on their own. Like they're good. You know, like everything else we did was like SAT prep. Like that was, that was more important than sex education. It's like making sure you do really good on the standardized test, which is wild. Like, um, you know, that, that's the kind of school it was. It was like a college prep school. So you're, you're, everything is, is targeted towards making sure that you're writing a good college essay and you're doing all of, you know, getting the correct education you need for the degree that you want to get and what you want to do with your life. So it's, great things but also you're completely missing this huge thing that happens right like most people don't use math beyond fourth grade math in their daily life i'm an exception to that i use high high math in my daily life but most people don't use beyond fourth grade math in their daily life so why do we push you to take math all the way until even in college even if it's not your major you can be you know a fucking health major you could be something completely bought you could be a psychology major and they're still like no you need to pass algebra like you need to be able to take a math class which right. is why why like you're you don't need to do anything except for simple addition and so you know subtraction maybe some some you know 
percentage formulations, but like that's it. Like you really don't need much. And you know, you're so you don't have to go past a, past a fourth grade le- level with most people, but most people will have some sort of sexual interaction. Like 99% of people are going to have some, some sort of sexual interaction, but they're not getting that education. So we're not we're, we're prioritizing something that you're not necessarily going to need in mm-hmm. life, or something that you are definitely going to need in life, which is a bit a bit wild and a bit backwards. Um, yeah, so I totally. Yeah. So, you know, talk about college prep. I mean, I don't know how your experience was, but I think uh, sex education is very important for college prep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I did things in college that I had no idea about. Like I, you know, my first like kink experience was at the very beginning of college. I had like just broken up with my high school girlfriend. She like shattered my heart into like little bitty pieces. And I did the, the, the girl thing and I banged a bunch of people to get over him. I got over her by getting under a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I did a hoe phase too. Yeah, you know, a few times. Always, a few times, yeah. It's still some. It's, it's an ongoing thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, in like my first experience, that I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what a safe word was. I was like, "What do you mean safe word?" And it's something that I think I think a safe word is something we should be teaching from a very young age. I think having a safe word, even in a non kink scenario, is so important because saying no can be so intimidating the word no can be so hard to say but if hopefully hopefully your first sexual experience is somewhat enjoyable they're not they're it's never perfect i thought i want to get that out the door right away Mm. like your first sexual experience is never going to be perfect it's not like the candles and roses and romance that you put in your head (laughs) hopefully it's with somebody that you you know like and have been maybe dating and talking to and you know have a little bit trust. of, yeah, a little bit of trust. You know, I don't want to say they yeah. fully trust somebody because like that's, that's a huge, you know, thing. Um, but right. you, know, you have some sort of trust in them. You have some sort of, you know, connection. And so you're able to have this conversation beforehand, like, Hey, Hey Ryan, you and I, you know, might have sex tonight. That's, that sounds, that sounds great. I would love it if you would make sure you bring a condom because I'm not on birth control. And, you know, just in case anything goes wrong, can we have a word that's set up that I can just say that, I, that in case I feel uncomfortable? That is a safe word. And that makes it so much less intimidating that if you're in the situation and you're like, oh my God, that hurts, instead of being like, no, that hurts. Like, I don't want to do that. It's like people feel inti- like people don't want to do that. Women don't want to do that. They're like, oh, I, do- I don't want to tell him it hurts. I don't want to feel bad. And I can feel bad saying no makes him feel bad. Just having a sex word. Mine is my safe word is Grace, Grace Adler. So just saying something like Grace Adler, <laughs> tell the other person, oh, OK, I'm you're uncomfortable. Let me let's like take a step back. Are you OK? You know, yeah. there's it's so much less intimidating, it makes the situation so much more comfortable for everybody. And again, I didn't know what a safe word was until I was in a kink scene and the person I was with was like, what's your safe word? And I was like, um, come again. <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, who? <laughs> oh and so, you know, I think that those things are really important and people immediately, like, like you said earlier, people immediately associate them with like people, something that you don't want to talk about. People are like, Oh, a safe word that's bdsm that's kinky that's i don't you know that's something i don't want to talk about but really it's 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 not even kinky if you know it's it's a normal thing a natural thing that happens you know people have all sorts of different life experiences they have different sexual trauma they have different things that their bodies does every body is different every cervix is different every, you know your vaginal canal could be long it could be short it could be all sorts of things contribute to how things feel and when you're learning that and when you're figuring that out 
out, having some sort of word to back up and be like, oh, oh, you're Grace Adler, this is uncomfortable. You're hitting my cervix. Like, like having that is makes it so much less intimidating. And 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 then it helps you learn about your body too, right? Like, okay, this position, you you hit my cervix. That does not feel good. Let's try something different. Let's try a different way. Like you're learning about your body, right? Your every body is different. You can't you can't know until you're until you're doing it. So you just, you know, having the ability to have safe dialect in a sexual encounter is so important and we do not talk about it nearly enough. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I honestly, I, I don't even know if I have a safe, like I don't, I don't have a safe word. Um, I would say one, because I never had a, a partner that's like been a long-term thing to where we got to that point where it's like, but yeah, like I, I never thought of it that way and how important it is. Okay, well, have, Ryan, what, you should make a safe word. But I should, let's make I'll, a safe word. Let's make a safe word. Mine's Grace Adler because there is a scene in the new Will and Grace where like Grace and Karen get stuck stuck in her fancy shower and they can't get out without Karen's safe word and Karen's safe word is Grace Adler and it makes me laugh <laughs> to this day. So it's my safe word. I say it. People know it in any sexual encounter, anything now. I look at the way I'll begin it is like, hey, my so, safe word is Grace Adler. Okay, so yeah, that's important to touch on. So do you so you go into sexual encounters even with new people? talking about your or showing your safe word mm -hmm. so okay. so for me currently because i am in a polyamorous relationship where my girlfriend is my primary and always will be my primary so she's the person that is above all always um like i wouldn't mind dating somebody else maybe having a secondary if you know somebody was into that um you know we've kind of tested different things but when it comes to sexual encounters because you know it is obviously at least a threesome, right? There's at least three people in the room, no matter where you're going about it. Um, in sexual encounters, they usually, what happens is it's talked about beforehand. So we mm -hmm. like, you know, um, like a week beforehand, we'll be like, hey, <laughs> do you, do you want to, do you want to do this? Like, you know, people, usually it starts off with a bit of flirting. Like I'm, I have a very flirty personality, you know, it starts off with a bit of flirting and then you kind of get to the point where it's like, okay, yes, there's an attraction here. I would like to have a, a, an experience, like the sexual experience, you know, that's a lot of things that women will say is that they want to have that experience. So like, I'm very interested in this experience and my girlfriend and I are like, okay, like we're also attracted to you and we're into this experience. Let's, let's, let's try it out. And then we'll talk about things so like, okay, so next week, Wednesday, that's that's the day, okay? You know, because for one, women, so you have to, you know, menstruation is a thing, and I, you know, menstrual menstrual sex is wonderful and beautiful, um, and I fully support people having sex on their periods. But sometimes when you're full period and you're bloated and you're 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 bleeding like crazy, you don't feel sexy, and you don't really want to mm. have this like a threesome experience that you've been fantasizing about, right? That takes away from it for for you. So to have a conversation about like, okay, like I. We're all not menstruating next week, Wednesday. Cool. You know, we're uh, here are the toys that we like to play with. Would you like me to bring any of these? Would you like to be involved in any of these? Would you like to try any of these? Okay, then we should bring a condom if you want to try them because they're, they're ours, not yours. We'll clean them. But for safety, we should bring a condom. Are you allergic to latex? What condoms should I bring? By the way, my safe word is, is Grace Adler. If you want to, you know, do anything, anything, if I say Grace Adler, it might be just because I'm in an uncomfortable position. We also have, because we do things like, some sort of, you know, we do some kink things. We have a safe gesture. So ours is two fingers tapped pretty briskly. So we, I always demonstrate it in my hand. So it's like this and we, that's two, okay. it's, a, it's 
the first t- two taps and it's a gesture to be like it's like because there are times where your mouth is full like we I, right. I gag ball like you know there's there's times when your mouth is full you can't get it out there's there's people that love to um like suffocate on phallic objects and like to gag on phallic objects and like to show that off you know um but your mouth is full you can't get a safe word out you need a safe gesture so we also yeah. have a safe gesture which we go over with people as well you know in case they want to try anything I'm, I'm always up for people to try things especially like um on me like if they're like oh i've never gagged a person i'm like okay do you want to do you want to gag me you can um but that involves me showing you my safe gesture and you making sure that you understand it and are, are respectful of it if i put that then the 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 quick release comes off you take it out you know the, it might just be like i bit my own tongue there's like it's not necessarily the other person's fault like people also associate that you know they're like oh it's something i did wrong no it might it might just be like i bit the inside of my cheek and it really hurts and i just like need a minute to breathe like that's what a safe gesture is for you know it's not necessarily to stop everything okay we're stopping and it's over the whole thing is over no it's just right. like a Oh, we're stopping right now. Are you okay? Let's check in. What happened? <laughs> no, it's and oh, okay. You bit your you bit your tongue. That that hurts like a bitch. Do you want to drink some water and take a minute? Okay, and come right back. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, it it's all it, it's all it really is. But to have those things is really important. So yeah. So when I when I do have those sexual experiences, even now, it's something I do go over, and it, it is a bit easier because I'm a bit older and in a relationship where it has, you know, there is a polyamorous aspect to it. So when people you know, new people are coming in. A lot of, you know, our experiences so far have been with people that don't necessarily have a polyamorous history or don't really know what that is. So they also like are talking about that with us. So like, oh, how does how does that work? How does you know do how do we go about it with you know the two of you? And so so that kind of sparks this, the conversation and then it rolls into okay, so we want to have a sexual experience with all three of us or all four of us or whatever it may be. Okay, then what are the rules from there on? safe words, communications, allergies, things like that. You know, like I'm, I'm heavily allergic to latex. So there's a lot of things in the kink scene that I can't participate in or be a part of. Like I can't wear like a full latex suit. That would be terrible for me. <laughs> anyway, um, like latex condoms. Um, you know, I, I found out I was allergic to latex the hard way. Um, so latex condoms are a no-go for me, right? So yeah. like, things like, that, like having those conversations is extremely important, especially when it comes to allergies and stuff. So you're talking about allergies, your sexual boundaries. So, you know, if you don't like your booty hole played with, then you say it. Like, this is my sexual boundary. And especially if you're getting further into kink, then you need to be very explicit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you can't cut my hair. No, I don't like blood play. Like, you have to be very, very explicit about the thing, the, the boundaries that you have, where you're willing to cross, where you're willing to not, you know, what what it is. And then, of course, a safe word that helps you. And then there's a lot of people that do, like, the, um, the stoplight scenario, right? Like, green, yellow, red, where if you're something makes you feel slightly uncomfortable you can be like oh yellow like you're 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 getting you're getting close getting close to my boundary there yellow yellow and then red is stop right right um that has been shown to have the same kind of it works in like adult kink settings where everyone's mature and understanding and and, and knows what's happening and knows what's going on has the experience but that's been shown in, in younger scenarios that doesn't necessarily work that's it's better to have a safe word that's like purple dragon that's something that's a bit more superfluous right than like red yellow because those can sound just be just as difficult as no like saying red can be just as difficult as saying no right saying, or it becomes a little convoluted between what you're really trying to say like if a younger exactly. person, they might not know their body as well, and they might say yellow, but really they mean red. 
or yeah, exactly, like that. exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there, so those, those things are better for adult, like, you know, high end experiences, you know, that, that sort of thing where the, where everyone kind of has an experience, everyone kind of knows what's going on. So that, that's a good scenario. But again, I think that having, learning to have safe or learning to have conversations, learning to have this dialect, the sexual dialect is extremely important and should be taught as one of the first things like even before condoms because again condoms is just a very heteronormative thing i mean yes <laughs> you know gay men should also be using condoms but you're completely taking out you know lesbians and people that only want you know vagina vagina action you're, you're completely excluding that whole group of people so before you start having the conversation about like condoms and pregnancy and abortions and birth control it should be we should be first talking about how do you have a safe dialect in sexual experiences how do we talk about things how do you know your boundaries how do you express your boundaries how do you do all of that that should be the first thing we talk about in in sex education and we don't talk about it at all yeah no I and mean, and it goes off of like consent because obviously consent is like the the most important factor when having any sexual encounter Absolutely. is having that 100% yes you can do that how Absolutely. do you go how do you go about consent like what like what's um, your I, yeah i expect explicit consent so okay. um i i know that some people i, I but it, it's it's this my opinion or how i go about things is becoming more popular and i think should be the mainstream but i expect explicit consent and what i mean by that is like if it's not a yes if it's not a fuck yes it's a no like if okay. it's yeah. if it's not an absolutely yes it's a no unless asterisks explicitly discussed beforehand because mm. there are kink scenes where people enjoy being like no no mm, right no. and and i i like that i love that i love <laughs> when my when my submissive is is being all is being all no master you can't do that oh love it but that is explicitly discussed beforehand and there is a safe word and there is multiple safe words it has a, a red yellow green scenario to it so unless it is explicitly discussed beforehand unless it, it if it's not a fuck yes it's a no and and that's 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 kind of how all i go about it i don't think that people can make uh consent when they are intoxicated if you are beyond intoxicated where you cannot be be coherent when you are making irrational decisions you cannot give consent you cannot give consent when you're adolescence you that's impossible manipulation right. is not consent that's something i keep seeing on tiktok people are like oh it, the child gave consent they were manipulated into consent but it's still consent that's not consent manipulated mm -hmm. consent is not consent. um and you know because i do have sexual experience and because you know i, I you know i i know that people come to me because they they want to have these experiences and you know that's that's how a lot of my you know multiple person experiences have come is people being like oh, i want this experience and then we'll have the conversation but you know in the in the moment it's always good to check in like oh can i can i touch your can i touch your booty now and if someone's not like if someone's like uh i guess that's a no right that's a no. if it's not an explicit yes not if it's not an explicit yes it's a no and again asterisks must discuss beforehand but again most of these scenarios that i'm talking about in this instance are people that are new the people that are like experimenting that i want to try and i'm okay with that i love to experiment as well i like to be the person that you experiment with 
But again, that means that if I'm saying something, do you want to try this position? Do you want to try the double ended dildo? If you're not going, fuck yeah, then it's a no. Then right. No. So is it something that, because, and this kind of gets joked about and, and made fun of, but it's like, it's, is it a consent for like every single move? Like obviously consent super important and there's like initial, but like say you're kissing your partner and then it's like, can I put my hand on your ass? And then can I put my hand on your boot? Like, is it through every single sexual as that escalates? Is it consent or is there just an overwhelming, like, do you want to fuck? Like, so I, so yes. So is that making sense? Yeah, I get what you're trying to say. So people will try to make the joke where it's like, can I touch your titty? Can I can I now touch your ass? Where yeah. it's that's not as that's not what cons, consent always looks like. Consent can be is are you liking that? Is this good? Mm-hmm. Does this feel good? Are you enjoying yourself? Is there something that you would like me to do? I'm into this. Would you like to try? There are so many ways that consent can be said and and reciprocated that that it becomes not a joke, right? Like, yes, right. I do think that you should be asking if once you're touching touching bits that are private bits, you know, once you're starting to mm-hmm. t- touch things that you're, you're, you know, getting excited to touch, <laughs> you should be asking, is, do you like this? Is this okay with you? Are you enjoying right. it? You know, you should, it doesn't have to be, may I touch your boob? Right, because the joke is that that ruins what? the mood if you're just constantly like a robot like can i yeah. move my hand here can i move my hand here can i put my tongue in your mouth <laughs> like it, it, which it does it totally it to- totally can ruin the mood if you're like boob touch though <laughs> no like it totally could ruin the mood i get that but that's the way that we need to, we need to be having a better dialect the whole the whole full circle is we need to give ourselves better dialect give ourselves better prompts right that 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 yes, you should be checking in almost the entire time. Every time there's something new is happening, you should be, are you, this okay? How are you enjoying it? Because, you know, having the open floor of consent makes a situation so much more comfortable for one. Having your, you know, the partners or partner that are, is in the situation with you just being open to your responses makes the situation so much more comfortable. Flat out the bay, flat out the gate. Yeah. I will... You know, I I have a lot of sexual experience, and I will promise you the best times are when people are like, "Is this is this good? Do you like that? How how is that for you?" And it, giving the response is great. That makes me feel so comfortable and sexy. Like this person wants me to feel good. This person is like, you know, that that it, it makes you feel really good. So we need to have be equipped with better better wordings so that we can have these great consensual, comfortable sexual experiences that don't turn into a robotic, uh, is a, can I touch this? Can we do this now? You know, because yes, that for sure does take away. Um, but you still need to do it. You still need to find the way yeah. to do it. Find the, and, and people, <laughs> this might be a controversial statement, but people that, that say that, people that make the joke, like, oh, it takes away from, from, from the sexual experience for me to ask constantly, aren't good in bed <laughs> you are not good in bed you are not good at what you do you are here to only please yourself you are not here to please me you are not good at bed flat statement yeah. sweeping declaration <laughs> like it's it's you you're, you're telling me that you don't know what you're doing right so yeah i like I, the way you i like the way you explained that and kind of cleared that up for everyone that you know you can that the way you do it is through other is through more subtle ways instead of being mm-hmm. robotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and again, and it's also keeping in mind that at any time somebody can withdraw their consent. 
So if I'm saying, yes. oh, yeah, that feels good, and then two minutes later, I'm like, actually, no, it doesn't. That means stop. That means no. Nope. That means no. It doesn't mean just because two seconds ago I said that was feeling good. In between that two seconds and now, something happened, something shifted, and it no longer makes me feel comfortable, and I can withdraw my consent. Yeah, 100%. Do, do girls get post-nut clarity? Oh, absolutely. They do? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah, I have some of my best thoughts post-orgasm. <laughs> best thoughts. I, I, I'm my most most aware, most attentive, most intelligent, and I'm already highly intelligent. And after orgasms, I'm like, I'm genius. <laughs> I I just I just bring that up because as you were talking about like consent, or as you're talking about getting permission to, or how consent can end at any time, because um, like guys, guys, gay guys or cis guys, if you're listening, ask, please ask where you want to come. Like if you're gonna come, like ask where. You're going to come. That is so important. Don't just assume you can come on them or yes. on their bed or on in yes. their ass. Like, ask. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. For anybody. For for if you're in a threesome with with four girls and one guy and you're about to nut, you better fucking ask where you're doing that. <laughs> I swear Literally, to God. I was not, a, a few months ago or not too long ago, um, I was with this guy and we were we were, you know, doing our thing. And I finished probably like 10 seconds before him. And then like, he's about to finish. I had just finished. He's about to finish. And he goes, where, where should I come? And if I hadn't come yet, if this was 10 seconds earlier, I would have been like, come all over my chest. Like, come on me. I came, had that post not clarity. Then 10 seconds later, I, I literally, he asked, where should I come? And I literally laughed out loud. I was like, um, on yourself, like I literally just said that because it was like trash, in this yeah. moment, like yeah, it was in this moment, like you could probably like, infer, like I would have wanted it like on me, but just because I had that pose, not clarity, I was like, no, no, please, I'm done. This is gross. <laughs> Go on yeah, yourself. Why? That's, that's too much. <laughs> I know. Things can change so quickly, and you have every right to change your mind in the exactly. middle. Every right, but again, please be one of those guys that asks. I can't. I can't even tell you the reason that I hate giving blowjobs. My least favorite sexual experience. I think I've said this multiple times. Least favorite sexual experience giving blowjobs. For one, it hurts my jaw. I have a very long mouth, so I am good for it. But I, it hurts my jaw. <laughs> but second is the amount of times that I've been surprised. Is surprised. is not surprised. Surprised with it in my mouth. All of a sudden, your mouth is full. Oh, and you were like, yeah. And you're like, oh, now what do I do? Right. They just do that without asking. No. Without asking. Without asking. They're like, oh, oh, I'm coming. If you're receiving head, you say, you give them a warning, be like, I'm about to come. And then let the person giving the blowjob decide if they want to continue doing it or if they want to pull out or what. Like. Yes, the I'm about to come, though, needs to come at least like 10 seconds before the ejaculation. Not yes. I am coming. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Surprise. Like, you, yeah, you need to give the person time to like process what you're saying and then mm. like make their decision. Like that takes a couple, a couple seconds for the words that you're putting out to be put into someone's brain, processed for them to process that and think, okay, what do I want to do about that? It takes mm. like at least five seconds. If you're just yeah. like coming <laughs> and going for yeah. it. You're not giving the person the time to react, which is another thing with with consent. This has to do with consent, right? You can't just be like, 
flipping somebody into a doggy style like you want this no it has to be like hey do you are you do you want, are you down for some doggy style would you would you like to turn around how would you yeah. like to turn and that that makes the situation different right whereas i feel like people mix that line very quickly where they're like well i did give consent i'm like that that's that was borderline consent that was barely consent that was you saying it then acting upon it without really giving the person the proper amount of time to respond and like process and respond properly so uh, your consent is iffy there (laughs) right you can't just be like i'm gonna like i'm flipping you over and then like flip them over like you gotta hey can i fuck you doggy style (laughs) yeah it has it has to be like you know and the what the way that i always my favorite phrase is how would you like to so Mm. i think that's that's the one that I always suggest to people is how would you like to? Cause it gives like the power to the other person, right? Like even when I'm a dom, like I, I'm a submissive most times, but I do like being a dom every once in a while. And so, you know, even when I'm a dom, I love to like give my submissive just a little bit of that power, right? Of being like, Hey, how would you like me to rail you from the back right now? Yeah. Please. Sounds mm-hmm. great. Like, you know, like it gives them the power to be like, yeah, that sounds great. Or no, I would, I would, no, I would actually like to blank, you know, like I would actually like to suck your cock. Like, like, so it, it gives, it gives this back and forth dialogue. So that's my favorite one by far. You know, the other ones I think that you'll pick up as you're having more experiences, like, you know, the, is this good for you? How is this? All those kind of like suave, like suave ways of saying things of getting consent. But the big one should be like, how, how, how would you like to? Because then it opens up a floor for everybody to have mm. this conversation, right? Yeah. I will say, though, there's nothing worse than the, do you like that when the sex is super boring? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, when it's just like, they're not good or like, you're not, well, for whatever reason, you're just not feeling it. And they're like, yeah, you like that? And you're like, I mean, I am giving consent to continue, but no, like, I really am not, you know. <laughs> not really. It's not the no. best. <laughs> you get two maximums do you like that per, per, per sex? Like, that's it. Yes. Like, I'm not, I, I can't, like, I, I, I can't tell you the amount of guys, like, like, repeatedly, do you like that? Do you like that? Do you like that? Do you like that? Oh my God. Like, shut, you're, you're ruining it now. Like, one, do you like that? Like, that's it. Oh, God, I ask. I give me a chance to respond. Then you get, you get one more and that's it. Like, guys, repeat that. Repeat it, repeat it. That's worse yeah. than, that's worse than can I touch your boob? That's worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> so mood pulling away from it. it pulls away from everything to, for you to just be like, do you like it? Do you like it? Like, <laughs> right. God. Every 10 seconds, I got them Every parrot. 10 seconds. Like, there's, I don't know what porno taught guys that and where you guys communicated that was the right thing to do, but I'm here to tell you that it's not and that we're, we're over it. Like, <laughs> we're making that de- declaration now, guys. Knock it the fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, absolutely. I will walk up. I will walk out and leave if that happens to me again. <laughs> I, I, I probably need to, honestly. There, you know, like I. Again, you can ask once or twice. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a nice way to check in. But when you're doing it just repetitively and it's bad, like you're asking me if I like that and you're not very good, like oh. Because then you think it. you're like you you want to say yes. But then, like, you really are thinking about it. And it, it sends you into this overthinking mode where you're like, Absolutely. is it good? 
No, and then take your head out of the entire experience, which just makes it worse. Absolutely. And for women, most of the sexual experience, like 90% of the sexual experience for women is mental. So when you're mm. asking me, do you like it? And it's not good. And you're like repeating that, like, do I like it? And if give me this response to be like, actually, no, this position's not doing it for me. What you're doing right now is not doing it for me. Like give women that, or give your partner, I'm sorry, I, sh- I need to take my own advice. Your partner um, you know, give your t- partner the time to actually respond to that question. I feel like a lot of times when men say it, they're they're almost like re- like responding to themselves. Like they're like, yeah, you like that, don't you? You like it, you like it, yeah, it's good. Like they're you're, doing you're it for not, their own ego. Yeah, you're not actually yeah. asking to hear my response. You're just asking because you want me to be like, yes, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not actually asking for like consent reason at that point. Um, but yeah, there's nothing worse than it just being bad and then the people being like, is this good? No. No. No, it's not. It's not very good at all. And then you don't, and you feel bad saying that. And I've definitely told people after our experience, like, hey, that was like not that great. And they're like, what do you mean? I had a great time. And I'm like, you had a great time. <laughs> you didn't know where a clitoris was. Like, again, we need to have that in sex education. Like, where the clitoris is located is like, a mystery to men like you guys are like what what do you mean a clitoris like there's a there's a place to put my penis and that's all <laughs> like, like no actually i'm glad you brought this up because i was actually kind of like thinking of this as as the next topic i was like i know everybody's different but can you kind of like talk about um getting women off like what what is the the basics to that for anyone listening who's either a woman loving woman or a a man that likes women like what yeah. What do you do or what do you know about of, of getting oh, them So one of the my favorite things uh, to ask a new female partner is what she likes. Because women's bodies are so different. Some women have really sensitive nipples where I can get a woman to give, get an orgasm from just playing with her nipples. Just giving, playing with her nipples and talking a little dirty orgasm. Some women have that ability, you know. Some women have no feeling in their nipples because they've breastfed or had implants. Some women have a very sensitive clitoris where you need to be doing very light touches, like very light tongue flicks, you know? Some women want you to like put your whole tongue up there and just go for it. So like, you know, some people want it just rubbed on top. Some people want you to actually lift and get all right on top of it. So I love to ask uh, my new sexual female partners, what do you like? Like, what does your body like, you know? Um, and and sometimes they don't fully know. Sometimes they're like, oh, you know, when I play with myself, I like masturbate on a pillow. Like, I like that soft sensation. And I'm like, okay, so let's work with that, you know? And then I'm like, have you ever done anything like anal wise? And they're like, no, I'm, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. And I'm like, hey, would, would you like to? Would you like to experiment with that? Would you like to understand that? You know, but I, I like to ask women what they like because Again, it, the female anatomy is so diverse. Vaginas are so diverse, you know, like so are penises. Penises are very different looking in all sorts of different shapes and ways. But okay. vaginas, oh my God. But vaginas are <laughs> wild. Like vaginas can be like all sorts of different things. Like they're, and, and even the, the placement of the clitoris can be different for different women. Like oh, it can wow. be higher, it can be lower, it can be, you know, smaller, bigger. It can, all sorts of things can contribute to to your 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 sexual feelings and again a lot of sexual encounters for women are a lot of sexual like orgasms for women are mental so it's getting women in the right space and a lot of that has to do with making them feel comfortable right so if i'm asking you 
what do you like with your body? What, you know, can you show me what you like with your body? It kind of makes the woman feel a little more comfortable, right? They're like, oh, this person's listening to me. Like that's, that's the biggest thing for me is to make sure that the woman who's, who we're, who I'm doing this with or women, you know, who I'm doing this with feel comfortable because it's so much of mental, you know, I, there's, there was a girl who I, or a woman who I was having a threesome with who had never had an orgasm before, that had never happened for her in a sexual encounter space. Like she'd only had an orgasm playing with herself. So I was like, okay, show me, show me how you get yourself to orgasm. Like I want to watch it. And so she showed, she showed me and my girlfriend and we watched and then we did those things and played with her and she got to watch my girlfriend play with me and those sorts of things. And that whole setting of feeling comfortable, feeling confident in her body, like we were paying attention to her and that she got to watch us do those things. And it was this environment is what got her to have an orgasm. So it's a lot of it. There is physical aspects, obviously, knowing, you know, knowing the places to touch, knowing what people like, like, I love the back of my neck being touched. That's something that I'll say to people, you know, like, uh, you know, like, here's my clitoris, my nipples are fun to play with as well. If you suck the back of my neck, I will pretty much always orgasm. Like, just giving people like a little incentive or a little bit of tips about your body can help the experience so much more, right? Yeah. just like blindly stabbing at things <laughs> then you're then, then you're kind of also being pulled away right from it mentally it's because if you're like okay you're touching my urethra or not my <laughs> like it pulls away from the whole situation in a mental state right as well then you have to get back into this okay now i'm having i'm having sex this is sexy we're, we're sexy like you have to pull yourself back in right but if you're having a, 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 a discussion, the dialect, you're making it comfortable, especially for women, then it's, you're much more likely to have that, that success rate and make them feel happy. And, and, you know, and, and that can be so many things, right? It can be, do you want to watch, do you want to watch us? Do you want to play with me? Do you want to do that? Do you want to turn a, a porno on? Do we, you know, I have some um, um, women empowerment porno. Like I have, I have pornography that is made by women for women would you like to watch some of that? Like any of those things that make somebody feel comfortable. Like it's, it's, it's all about having, again, that dialect. And then yes, of course, being good at head, you know, knowing how to, you know, work your tongue, make sure you're using lube, please. If you're going to be doing toy insertion, please use lube, please use condoms. If it's not your toy, all those things are extremely important. Remember no flavored condoms for anything but blowjobs. Flavored condoms do not go in assholes or vaginas. Please, please don't do that. They are only for blowjobs. Um, you know, all those other, all those other things come into, you know, the experience as well. But 90% of, of a good sexual experience with a woman is having a comfortable good space, is making it feel feel good and feel sexy and making her feel good and sexy, making sure that you're, you know, you're saying that to her. Wow, you are hot. You look really good tonight. You look great naked. You have a great body. Nice titties. Like, things like that that make somebody feel like, oh, yeah, I am hot. I'm going I'm to be sexy. I'm going to take over this dom. I'm going to do all these things like that makes someone feel so confident and for a woman that's that's a huge part of it right so yeah. men are a little bit easier right men are, yeah. <laughs> are a little bit easier to, to 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 have those those experiences right but women orgasms are more intense and that's because they are mostly mental so again if you're if you want to have sex with a woman 
make sure that you're getting that explicit consent for one, having the dialect, making her feel comfortable, learning about her body, what, uh, you know, even what length of um, object to put inside of her. Like I said, cervixes can be different lengths. Um, mm -hmm. There's a good way to judge it is when you are playing with yourself the next time, when you insert a finger, see how deep your finger goes inside yourself until you're hitting your cervix. Your cervix kind of feels like the um, inside of the roof of your mouth, sort of that like fat, like weird feeling. It kind of feels like that. So if you're touching your cervix and you're like a, just a knuckle deep, your cervix is very shallow. If you're two knuckles deep, you kind of have like a medium average size cervix. If you're full in, and you're touching your cervix with your full finger in, then you have a deep cervix. And that's there's nothing wrong with any of these things. <laughs> They're all beautiful and wonderful. Um, but no, knowing that, so you know what size. Like I have a variety of sizes of dildos, a variety of different things, because you don't know what someone's body is going to respond to or be or 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 like. You know, like I have a very medium-length cervix, which is pretty pretty average. Um, so I prefer like average size cocks like cocks mm -hmm. that are between like the five to seven inches you know even four to seven inches like that like that range of pretty average average size penis right yeah you know i've had partners who have very short cervixes who require a smaller shorter dildo that's fine i've had partners who have long cervixes big cervixes i have big dildos for them for them as well and that's fine it's all fine you know but and it is you know, and that is unfortunate that it does come down to anatomy for some men because there have been sexual experiences where like the penis was too big. And I was like, I, I'm i not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to put my body through that. So I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Back to being able to take away consent, right? If the situation gets to a point where you're like, oh, uh, I don't know if I can do this. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay if your body can't do it. I was very attracted to the man who I was about to bang. Very attracted to him. My body was like, yes, you are going to destroy this man. And I pulled his pants down. His penis was very, very large. And I was like, okay, this is big. And you know, <laughs> I was playing with it. The more I was like, I don't think this will. I don't. This will hurt. This will hurt. It's not going to be pleasurable. I don't. I don't want to do this anymore. And so I told him and he was, he was nice about it. He was like, no, I understand. It's, that's kind of happens to me once in a while. And I felt bad. I felt really bad. I was like, I, that, that must blow. Like, <laughs> like I can't, I'm sorry, but no, um, that, that must be really hard. But he was so understanding and so kind about it. And again, it, it, it makes you feel comfortable to, to take away your consent. And that's, and it's okay to do so. It's so okay. If your body is like, no, I don't think so. Then don't push your body. Like, like people, you can push your body if you're comfortable and want to do that. If you want to work on getting larger and bigger things inside of you, you, there are ways to do that. There are training tools to do that. Like if I was in a serious relationship with that man, we would have maybe gone about it, gone about it a different way, right? If we were seriously dating and then I found out, oh, your PS is too big for me, there are tools for that. There are ways to, to build yourself up to working towards that, right? Like they literally have expanders that can help you expand what you're what you're doing. Because um, people, there are many porn stars and many sex workers who specialize in large insertion, right? And that's like the thing that they love to do and they like to get off on. They love the bigger, the better. Great. <laughs> That's wonderful for you. Um, so if I had been in this relationship with a man, maybe I would have, of you know, worked on building my body up to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were just having fun. It was just like a fun summer thing. It wasn't. It wasn't serious. So at the point, I was like, I, I'm sorry, but no, my body won't do this. Sure. Uh, 
which I think is fine. But yeah, yeah like, totally. It's funny that like the downsides of having a big cock, because you think that people with huge dicks just are like, yeah, I got a big dick. I walk through life all great. And then it's like, eh, I can't fuck half the people I want. <laughs> Exactly. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's so funny that men are like, well, I have a big dick. I'm like, why is that? A, like, why is that a bragging right? Like, right. I want a good average sized, mediumly girthy dick. That's all I'm mm-hmm. looking for. Like, that's yeah. literally all I'm looking for. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't want no fucking anaconda. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like a cucumber. Like, we're going cucumber, maybe like a little shorter than a cucumber. And like, mm. that's, that's what we're going for in this house. <laughs> like that's all I want. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get the the big dick thing. I never have. I think it's so funny. And and I feel and I felt again the one encounter that I had with a very very large penis. I felt bad for the guy because he was like, "This is normal for me." Like. Right. He's like, I get rejected all the time. I get rejected all the time. Oh, that sucks. Uh, that's funny. I'm glad that you brought up the the thing about um. Women getting like how it's mental for them too, or like how it's mental for them um, having orgasms and how, and cause I think sometimes, and this isn't talked about a lot, is that men too, it's okay. Like sometimes men for whatever reason can't get hard um, during sex. Like, and it's nothing, has nothing to do with you. I mean, I'm gonna say it all the time, but sometimes it might, whatever, but I'm sorry. But like, yeah, I know for me too, like there's been times where I've been super into a guy, but I've, been in my own head too much. Maybe I like him too much to where I'm like overthinking things that I can't get hard. And it has nothing to do with me not liking him. I'm I'm overly attracted to him, but like just because of my own anxiety or my own whatever, my own my own brain, it's like it's making things more difficult. And that happens that's a little, you know, that's fairly common too. So for for boys listening too that, you know, have experienced that or might struggle with that, like that's that's okay to feel that, you know, anxiousness and sometimes have struggle with getting off um you know it's probably not as common as what you were saying with women but it does happen oh, it's, it's so common it's so common don't 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 say it's not it's so common <laughs> for men to to have erectile dysfunction, dysfunction of some sort yeah so ed erectile dysfunction um is way more common than we talk about i don't know why it's so shunned upon upon men it's like you're not a man if you can't get your dick hard like, oh, well, that's that's a little that's a little far stretch there, buddy. Right. Um, you know, and I I don't know if you've ever heard of the Girls Got to Eat podcast, but I I listen to it pretty religiously, and they've had many guests on that have talked about ED, and the kind of the conclusion is a lot of the times that it happens, it's it's it, like you were just saying, it's your mental mentality of like this person's really hot, I feel really intimidated, I want to make sure I'm doing a good job, I want to make sure I'm giving them a good dick, and yeah. you're so stuck in your head, your dick's like no. Like I'm yep. not doing it's it. Like, <laughs> it and, that's, and that's what it is. It's, 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 and that's okay. It happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think more women are, are learning that that happens and it has nothing to do with them. That a lot of the times it's, it's just, it's just a, a situation and a timing thing and a, a mental state. And, you know, if, if that ever does happen to you, male or female or in the middle or whatever you, however you identify, if it ever happens to you where you're having intercourse and there's a penis and the penis does not want to respond, the, the best way that you can respond to that is it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. That is, this didn't happen this time. You know what? If you want to try again next week, we can try this again. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not upset about it. It's okay. And if, and if, you don't if it's just a one night stand it's a hookup then it's, it's okay it's okay just be like oh it's okay 
right. get home safe. Have a good time. To <laughs> like it's it, making a big deal about it makes it more difficult to have these conversations and for men to understand that it's very normal, mm-hmm. that it's very, very normal for, for your dick to just not want to be a part of what's happening to not respond to the situation, to you be stuck in, you being stuck in your head and that making the situation difficult. It's so much more common than we talk about. And it needs to be a little bit more normalized amongst men to be like, yep, I've had situations where it just wouldn't happen. And so that women and people that are on the receiving end of that understand that it's normal. It's so normal. It's so normal. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what's happening. You are still hot. You, if you were in that situation where you guys are taking clothes off and you are wine to bag, you're grabbing condoms. That person thinks you are sexy. That person thinks you are hot. That person is attracted to you. It has nothing to do with your worth or your value and has everything to do with just the person being in their head and it is not working for them. And that's Okay. Look at it as a positive. Like they think you're so hot that they can't yeah. get hard. It's like it's overcorrecting itself. Like, yeah, it's like too. It's like well, it's too hot. Yeah. Too hot for me. <laughs> right, and yeah. and also also for sure, alcohol um can have a factor on that too. So mm-hmm. if you are drinking alcohol, um, you know the likelihood of experiencing erectile dysfunction does go up oh, quite absolutely. a bit. Is there is there anything like that for women? Is that, I mean, obviously consent is an issue with being intoxicated, but like does is there an equivalent to to ED for women in terms of alcohol? Um, I don't actually, I don't believe so. I'm not 100% sure, but I do not believe so. I don't believe that. Um, I mean, there, like I said, there, like before, obviously the consent thing, like there's a point where you can't make that decision. Right. And the, the thing about um, the woman's body is that even during, I'm going to say the R word. I'm sorry, you guys. But even in a situation of rape, right? Even in a situation of, of, of sexual assault, um, the woman's body will react and lubricate the vagina. So people will think, oh, she got wet. That means she was turned on. No, that's the body's protecting itself. That mm-hmm. is the body literally being like, I'm, I'm lubing this up so that you could, you know, I'm, I'm protecting what I'm, what the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, right? The glands are literally just reacting to physiological. Um, aspects so a lot of times when women are too drunk to, to consensually make a decision and to consent to to the situation men will sexually assault them and then say oh well her pussy got wet so she must have been turned on so it, it, it's i think that's that's a little bit different is that that uh the reaction of of the vagina to to penetration is to lubricate it Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's, that's, it's a physiological reaction where we're, you know, we've been bred to, to breed, like where we, we have the offspring, we give birth, right? That's, that's the woman's body. So the woman's vagina is anything that's coming in or out of there is we're going to lubricate. We're going to lubricate when the baby comes, we're going to lubricate when a penis is, or a phallic object of any sort is coming in, we're going to lubricate. So I, I don't think that there is a physiological, uh, uh, aspect of women not getting wet from drinking I think that it's more of of that we still do and and then that's somehow equated to consent when it's not consent right yeah that's yeah I, I want to be very clear on that it's not consent no. I, I was just kind of wondering off my own head if how men and women are different on a physiological level mm-hmm. in response to their alcohol yeah um, or being able to handle that uh can we talk about 
kind of breaking down the stigma against polyamorous relationships and sure. how you got into like how like how like just what what's that story? Was it something that you went into knowing, or is it something that you started as as closed off and then you decided to open that up with your partner? Or what's what's that like? So I have been in polyamorous and monogamous relationships before um, previously. Um, my, previously they didn't work like my polyamorous relationships didn't work they ended up causing kind of me to get hurt or you know um you know to to have to not feel trust like trust is a big thing for me and trust is really difficult for me so trust is is really difficult for me and 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 I have a hard time with trust, which is a big part of polyamory is is being able to trust your partner, which I think is why my relationship in the past when they were polyamorous have failed is because I didn't explicitly trust my partner um, to be telling me everything or to be honest with me. And and that was true. My, my partners weren't completely honest with me. And that's the, that's like the one thing that I expect. And polyamorous is a huge umbrella term. It means so many things. Like there's so much that falls under polyamory. That, and it can mean so many, it can mean different things for literally every couple. Every couple can have their own set of guidelines that they go about. There are certain terminologies that we that we use, right? Like primary, I say primary partner, like my girlfriend is my primary partner. That means that we have a hierarchy, right? There, there, so there are terminologies that are communal, but everybody's like guidelines or rules, so to say, are different per relationship. Um, so I, before my girlfriend, I was in a... Um, a relationship that was kind of toxic and it, you know, went back and forth and, and, you know, we had these conversations and I, I just didn't like it. And then when I met my girlfriend, we were friends for a long time. And then we became friends that, that had fun when we were drinking. Um, and then it divulged into a relationship, which was so odd for us because we never, never expected to be in a relationship with each other. We kind of just like thought we were friends that like, got to play around when we were drunk and and we both had our lives that were we thought were going to go separate ways we were like oh you're going to go this way and I'm going to go this way and we'll just like maybe hook up in the future sometime Um, and then we ended up getting into a relationship and you know kind of intertwining our lives together Um, and so because of that we kind of had this conversation about you know okay we're, we're both really young my girlfriend's younger than me she's three years younger than me I'm 28 so she's, you know, we're still in our 20s. We're still kind of experiencing things sexually. We still want to have these experiences, but we do want to have each other. And we do, you know, like, like that's my person. I'm her person. We, like, have this relationship, which is very uh, special. I, I, I hate that's a silly word to use, but, like, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to explain if you've never felt that way. Like, if you don't know, like, the per, like, I, like, I explicitly trust her. I trust her more than anybody in the world. Like she, she is the person that has helped me grow into who I am today. And, you know, so there is a lot of trust there. And we just basically had this conversation. Like we want to have these experiences, but we love each other. So what do we do? And we just started kind of researching and reading about it. Right. Like we, um, like you started listening to podcasts. There's quite a few podcasts out there. Uh, I think it's called like the Polycast. I can't quite remember. I can look it up if you want me to. But you know, there's we listen to podcasts. Started reading books. The Ethical Slut is a really good one. Um, slut. Ooh. Oh, it's a, it's a great book. Um, so we started, you know, kind of looking into it a little bit more, and then we just kind of made our our boundaries and we've and we've kind of played around and and see, seen what we like seen what we don't like you know we've we've had um sexual uh inter- intercourse we've had sexual interactions um 
with women, with other women. We haven't had one with a man yet, though we would like to. It just like hasn't happened and we're not going to like push it to happen. But, yeah. you know, um, but, you know, and we enjoyed like the sexual interactions. Um, you know, we thought that was great. We tried kind of dating a third person, but that didn't really work out the, you know, how we wanted it to. We kind of learned that we need to be a little bit more explicit about the things that we say. Um, you know, we, we said many times, like, we, like her and I will always come first, like our relationship will always come first. And I don't know if that was completely understood. It was as in like, like we will always come first. Like there will never be a time that our relationship isn't number one. Um, so, you know, that is something that that we need to be more explicit about in the future if we want to like have a secondary or date. Um, so it, having a polyamorous relationship, I think, is a lot less intimidating than people make it out to be, right? They think that when, as soon as you hear polyamorous, you think, oh, they're just a ha- they have an open relationship, like they just like fuck around for whatever they want. But that's not true. Our relationship is polyamorous in the sense that we are willing to have, ex- you know sexual experiences with other people together like we want to do these things together we you know all the things that we have i I want to clear something up is it is it it strictly together Mm -hmm. so we do things strictly together so and and that's right now like we have talked about the future of things changing like there's there there, you never know what's going to happen you know like um because right now we're separated like she's at my grandma's house helping fix it up so that we can move there and be and have a safe time there so she's been with my family for the past two weeks I haven't seen her um and I've been you know doing my own thing and so we've kind of had conversations about like what that would look like in the future if if for job wise we were long distance like Mm -hmm. for extended periods of time you know like I'm a person that has a fairly high sex drive and requires affection and that's like something that I need and so if we were in the future down the line, if we, you know, we both have really big career goals that are going to take us places, like we're going to be traveling, we're going to be doing these things, we're going to be going to conventions, and who knows, we might be separated for long periods of time. And if that becomes the case, then we'll have another good discussion on the future, like, okay, what does that mean from, from now? Do we want to hook up with people, but tell people, tell, talk to each other about it? Do we want to have a kitchen table relationship? So a kitchen table is very common in polyamory where it's like there is a primary couple, but they have secondary relationships. Um, and all those secondary relationships, like they, everybody would feel comfortable sitting at a, uh, at a kitchen table with each other. Mm-hmm. So like my second relationship would be fine having breakfast with me and my girlfriend. Like it, it would be a, a fine little kitchen table situation, right? So we've right. talked about that, about being, about being a possibility. So like I, there's so many possibilities for polyamory. And again, it's much less intimidating once you start talking about it with your partner. And what I think is so funny is the more that I've talked about it with my friends, the more my friends have become polyamorous and have tried oh different things. Like I've gotten so many friends that tried different polyamory situations. You know, I've gotten married friends to try. I've gotten, you know, friends that have been long, long-term relationships to try. I, I all sorts of things. And again, it's a lot less intimidating once you start realizing, oh, it's not just like an open relationship and we're just fucking and doing whatever we want. It right. can, it's literally just open communication and being willing to experience experience things with each other. So like, like I'm not going out and just swiping right on Tinder and hooking up with whoever I want. That's not what it is. Yeah. It's, it's open communication. You know, it's like, hey, I find this person attractive. Do you find this person attractive? Should we pursue this person together? Should we say, hey, would you be interested in a potential threesome or foursome? Like we it's just having open dialect and then being willing to have these experiences. And and that and you know, I, like I said, polyamory is a huge umbrella term. That's what it is for, for me right now. Like for me, it's it's uh, we do things together, we have these sexual experiences together, we try 
dating a third person together. Again, that could change in the future. Who knows? But we are, I don't I have no idea what the future entails. It's fucking 2020. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. Um, but, you know, but and it can be a completely open relationship or it can be just one person that you guys have decided oh, we really like this person. And therefore you guys are in a, in a three-way committed relationship. Like that's still seen as polyamory. Like even though you guys aren't banging anybody else you're j- and you're just in a, in a three-way relationship, that's technically polyamory, right? That's, that's yeah. more, loving more than one person. So there's this huge term for it. And if, if the idea of polyamory appeals to you, my suggestion is to just like read about it, read the ethical slut, start listening to a podcast. And if you have a partner, talk to them, talk to them about it. Say, Hey, I heard Mackenzie talking about polyamory today and it actually seems way less intimidating to me than it did before the podcast. Would you be willing to like listen to a podcast with me and see how that our relationship feels about it? Done. Like it's so, it's so much more simple than, you know, and I think what it does, like every person that I have that has tried polyamory, sometimes it hasn't, you know, worked for them. What they have always said is that it has increased their communication and their relationship has gotten better. That their relationship, like, even if it didn't work for them, even if they tried it, they dated somebody, didn't really work for them, they're back to being monogamous. It still helped them increase their their communication and learn more about each other. And these people that have been together for years like we're talking like five plus years like 10 years one of my friends has been with her boyfriend for fuck I don't know since high school they have like like three like they're both nerds so like the mat the pi symbol like 3.1 blah 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 blah. (laughs) like they have that like written out like every they add a number for each year they've been together and it's like 14 years now like something stupid and they just started to get into polyamory and they're like wow this completely changed how we communicated we now know more about each other and have learned more about each other in the past year than we have in the past 14 years because it opens up a whole new level of like this is my experience this is what I want to experience this is a fetish that I did that I keep putting at the back of my head but I want to address with you like we we so we put fetishes into this like little box and we're like they're evil and bad and we shouldn't be addressing them fetishes are normal normal there's currently like a thing on tiktok which i can't stand and i really need to correct but people are like oh fetishes come from trauma not true fetishes can come from trauma but they come come from a whole variety of other things sexual association like there's people that have a sexual attraction to farts, for instance, right? Like you can be- Oh jacking. God, no one my only fans asking for me to do a fart video. Yeah. I had never seen that before or heard of people that. People like it, that people, yeah. like, you know, they, that could be an association thing. Like you're jacking off, right? And then you fart and, and then the fart and you orgasming happens at the same time, fetish, done. Wow. Easy as that. It can be, it, there's there's um, like passed down turn, like uh, fetishes, right? Like there's a lot of fetishes that happen with, uh, urine and feces and there's a lot of scientists who believe that is something that has been passed down from our ancestors that yeah. you know that used to be something that was associated with cleanliness was cleaning like cleaning your offspring's um, urine and feces was something that we did so we were putting that in our mouth so it's something that our, our ancestors did that's now been passed down to us genealogically and so that we've genealogically associated these fetishes so there are so many reasons that you can have a fetish they're not just trauma fetishes are completely normal literally the pieces in the brain where your um, like horniness and feet are like right next to each other like your genitals 
your genitals and your feet are right next to each other in your brain, which is why foot fetishes are so, so common. Because mm-hmm. like there's a little crossover, a little, little bit of crossover between those two right. sections, boom, push, foot fetish, oh you're God. done. Like, <laughs> like, and so they're so, so common and to, you just need to have those conversations. Like just tell your partner, like, oh, I, I want to do this. I want to role play. I, you know, I would love to, you know, pretend I don't know you and pick you up at a bar. Done. One of uh, something that I recently just listened to and I think is a great, great uh, thing for couples to do is to reenact the first time that you guys had true sexual chemistry. So the first time that you and your partner had true sexual chemistry, reenact that whole little scene. Was it, you know, going to a park and having a picnic? And what did you eat? What did you wear? Where did you go? What did you touch that 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 set off this this feeling of this tingly feeling of oh I want to take my clothes off, all of these things. Do it with your partner. Talk about it, and you'll have these communications of oh actually I think I have a, a fantasy about about having a, a a foursome. Would that be something that you're interested in? Okay, so I ha- that falls kind of under like a polyamory thing. Maybe we should listen to a polyamory podcast. Let's talk about that after. So these things increase your relationship. It increases the communication in your relationship. It makes everybody feel better about yourselves at the end of the day. So I I think that at least having the conversations is important. You don't need to be polyamorous. Like I said, there's people that have tried it, didn't work out. But even just having those conversations and listening and learning how to have these these talks is so important to a relationship and a healthy relationship um, that I think everybody that's in a long-term relationship should try and listen and at least try and do. There's a lot I want to unpack there. Um, uh, So is this something that can, can this work sort of off the bat? You you just mentioned long-term relationship, but is this something that, because I think the fear that a lot of people have about any type of polyamorous relationship is that um, these encounters will be emotional and they'll lead to more emotional. And one partner is going to get more emotionally attached or more emotionally drawn to someone else that they're bringing in instead of that original partner. So is this, so I guess two things to unpack, is this better generally, or in your opinion, in a long-term thing, something to bring in later down the road? And then how can you keep these encounters so they don't, so someone else doesn't, doesn't become the main emotional source of attraction? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to address these backwards. So I'm going to address the second thing first, because I want to make it clear that love isn't like, like a stagnant thing. Like you don't have a set amount of love that you have that you can give out. Love is continuous. You can continue Mm -hmm. to love. Right. And if you truly love someone, like I truly love my girlfriend, me loving someone else, isn't going to take away from how much I love her. So there's not this a set amount of love that you can have. There's just not, it's not a thing that you can box up. Right. And I think that, yes, that's a fear that people have is like, Oh, we're going to bring someone into our relationship and then you're going to run off with them. And I'm, I'm never going to see you again. And you're the love of my life. And it's going to break my heart. And, and I, and it's, it's a valid feeling, feeling that can happen. But one, if that does happen, that person wasn't your person. That person did not love you. That person did not actually care about you and that you should be glad that you are no longer in that relationship because that person obviously did not care about you or love you enough to want to be around. If that, and, you know, and, and if that happens, that happens. And that's, that's okay. It hurts. You move on. It's okay. But if you are in a relationship that you love each other, you trust each other, you know that you're going to be there for each other. There's no, there's nothing that could take away from your love. Like there's nothing that would diminish your love. Having another person come in and learning to have feelings for that person does not take away from how much you love your partner at all. Yeah. Um, 
So, but then the first thing is, is you ask about long-term relationships. Can you do it when you first go in? Absolutely. So there's, there are people that recognize in themselves that monogamy is just not for them, that they're, they're not mm-hmm. a monogamous person. They just, they, they like to date. They like to do those sort of things. And with that, you just have to be honest. You have to be honest when you're meeting new people. Hey, I'm not a monogamous person. I like polyamory. This is the way that I typically like to, to go about my polyamorous relationships. How do you feel? What would be your boundaries? Would you be interested in this? We can talk about, you know, compromising. Like I, you know, I want a completely open relationship and you're not comfortable with that. Okay. What about like a kitchen table where you know the people that I'm dating and we talk a little bit more, you know, there's like just having that open conversation at the very beginning is, is fine. You know, yes, I do suggest it for couples that have been in long-term relationships because I think that there is a trust there. That's, that's easy to, that's a little bit easier to to talk about. Right. Um, Like, like my, my friend that's been married for 14 years, obviously they have a lot of trust between each other and yeah. care about each other. So it's a little bit easier to be like, hey, you should read this book and discuss it, you guys. Whereas like a very fresh one month relationship, you're like, hey, you should read this book, you guys. <laughs> Might be a different conversation, right? Because you don't really trust each other. You're kind of like, I don't fucking know. This person could run off tomorrow and I don't know. Um, but if you are a person that recognizes that you don't, that you're not, a monogamous person that's fine that's valid that, that's a valid way to feel you just need to be upfront with people about talking when you're entering a relationship you know um being like hey i this i'm, I'm not a person that handles monogamy how would that make you feel and that's that's valid that's fine as long as you're being honest about it it's fine yeah yeah totally wow we're coming up on an hour and a half <laughs> so that flew by didn't it it really did sex you could talk about sex for a long time I know. I feel like we got three more hours in us, but we got to get to a meeting. <laughs> we do have to get to a meeting. Um, is there anything that you that you feel like we missed that you would like me to say before we go? Um, not sex related, I guess. Um, if you can, you drop your socials where people can find you and your Patreon. Just where can people find you? So I'm Mackenzie, pretty much everywhere. M C K E N S E A on TikTok with an underscore in front of it on Instagram, and that's also where you'll find me on Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash Mackenzie. Um, that's also my YouTube and, and everywhere you'll find <laughs> Mackenzie everywhere. Um, I do educate about uh, conservation and stuff like that, but I also do talk about sex, and I'm very open to have these conversations. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me. Find my socials and ask me. Um, I I used to have a place where you could ask me anonymous questions. I should put that back up. I, I took it down because I had other things that needed to go up, but I should put it back up because I, I, I know people do like asking questions and being able to get their responses. Um, like we didn't even touch on STIs today. There's so many things that yeah. involve with sex education, like dating when you have an STI, dating someone that has an STI, um, you know, all those things. If you if you are curious, come find me, come ask me questions. I'm very glad to answer any of that. If you are a curious person, I would also really suggest watching Sexplanations on YouTube with Dr. Lindsay Doe. She's a sexologist. Um, like, I, you know, I know a lot about it, a lot about sex because I read and because I've experienced a lot of it, but I am a marine naturalist. <laughs> it's not necessarily my profession. Um, I just, I read a lot and I have a lot of experience. So I'm able to talk on these subjects and I make people feel comfortable, I guess, talking about these subjects, which is a superpower that I have had for a long time. But um, Dr. Lindsay Doe is a sexologist. She's a bit of, she's a bit kooky. Um, but if you can get past the kooky, which I, I, I think it's endearing and I love her kookiness, but I know some people are like, she's a little too cookie um but if you can get past that she has a, an immense amount of really important information that you should be listening to and especially if you're just wanting to get into anything anything that you 
want to get into that isn't normative, like heteronormative, anything, just research it, look it up, ask, ask a friend, ask me, slide into my DMs. We'll talk about it. Like absolutely anything you want to get into, you need to research it. And, and I think that's, that's the thing that we need to uh, be talking about more is just making sure that that the information is out there. Absolutely. It is a little bit hidden because people don't want sex to be normal for some reason. Like even YouTube literally demonetized Dr. Lindsay Doe's channel and like makes it so it's hard to find, like, which is ridiculous and stupid because it's information that you need. But, um, you know, if you're having a hard time finding those sources, reach out to somebody. There are sex experts out there. There are sex educators. You know, I am a sex educator. There are people that you can reach out to to be like, Hey, this is the thing that is that has been making my body go uh-huh what where, where do i go to look to understand how to do that safely okay let's talk about it let's do it safely um so you know there's everything like even choking like choking is a big thing nowadays and we don't talk about how to do that safely at all we're crushing windpipes on on tiktok and that's <laughs> very deadly that's that's dangerous and you know people are and aren't, aren't talking about how to do it properly and so don't be getting your information from just fucking TikTok, please. Like, please, no. please actually go and like r- read a book, read a research, reach out to somebody, have a conversation. Um, because there is a lot of misinformation out there, but there also is a lot of good information out there that you can learn from and be curious about. And so, so please just, just, you know, stay curious and, and make sure you're doing your research. I love that. And you're and you're about to release a podcast as well, right? I am about to release a podcast. It's called The Controversial Dive. And we will be getting into subjects like this. We'll be talking about, you know, um, more kink matters. So controversial kink matters um, like breath play, orgies, uh, you know, cuckling, cuckolding, bukkake, all these things that are like, what is that? We'll be talking about all of those things on my uh, on my podcast. Some of it will be on my exclusive podcast, my Patreon podcast. It's only three bucks a month, though. So if you really want to talk about the the nasty things, the dirty, mm. dirty things, then you got to come to the Patreon because it just has a, a safe, safe wall, right? Like, I feel like we, yeah. we can have better safe conversations behind this wall of, of, of safety <laughs> when it comes to mm. Patreon. Um, so if you really want to talk about the, the thing of the things, then, then come to my Patreon. But uh, my public podcast will have, we'll have those conversations, but also we'll have some talking about uh, politics and climate change and all sorts of controversial things that we don't necessarily discuss. Love that. And I can't wait to listen. I can't wait to to see what what, what you do with that. It's going to be awesome. Thank uh, well, thank you again, Mackenzie, for coming on. This was uh, always a pleasure talking with you and just hanging out. So I'm, thank you. I'm glad this was fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I hope that we learned something today. <laughs> I think we did. I definitely did. I learned I learned quite a bit, Good. especially about female anatomy, because, I mean, I don't know much about that. Granted, I'm a gay man, but... <laughs> Um, you've you've had sex with women, haven't you? I have, I have yes, yeah. So you 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 should know something, dear. I know things. I know I know where it goes, and you know, <laughs> but like I, you know. No, I get it. No, I, 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 do, I do know the nipple. The nipple things can be sensitive because I that was kind of my signature move on. Oh, <laughs> look at you! So, so you for nipple flipper? Nickel, so, yeah, nipple flipper? yeah, I was the yeah the lick lick them and. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, that's that was a lifetime ago, though. I, it's been years, or quite a few years. So, 
Thank you all so much for listening. You are all so beautiful and amazing. Make sure to check us out at www.thealphabetmafia.com. You can read our blogs there. You can support our brand. Get a sticker. Get yourself a sticker. That really helps us. It raises brand awareness. You put it on your water bottle. You put it on your laptop. It becomes more of a common thing seen around town. Of course, if you need serious help, you can visit the trevorproject.org or you can give them a call at 1-866-488-7386. If you are in need of serious help, please reach out to those people immediately. They will be more than happy to help in a, in a tremendous way. Thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you have a beautiful morning, evening, whatever it is. Good night.